Hey there, and welcome to Yes, a Stripper Podcast. On this podcast, we'll discuss how classifying each other as people and workers is dangerous to society and marginalized groups of people. We'll also talk about the climate in and outside of the strip clubs and all of the amazing things that strippers do. And of course, we'll talk about all of the things in between. I'm your queen, A.M. Davies, and this is Yes, a Stripper Podcast. Hi, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning in. Um, today's episode is with Ava Hennessy from the UK, and we have had the pleasure of crossing paths lately in um, town hall calls and other like uh, sex worker activist meetings. And um, she just seems so lovely in all of those meetings that I invited her to come on the podcast and talk with me. And I'm so grateful that I did because we really got to hear like her life story and it's very interesting. And there's something really just soothing and relaxing about all of it. It was like going through a visual story in, in my head, because as I was listening to her, I was, I was picturing all of the things that she was telling me or telling us, I should say. And I really felt like basically like I was watching Netflix or something in my head. Um, she was just so pleasant and lovely. And, um, I, I suggest listening to this one, you know, whilst sitting down, relaxing and having a cup of tea or a bowl of soup or smoking a bowl of weed. Um, and just allowing yourself to sort of get lost in her story and in the things that she's saying. Um, there's something really moving about it. So, um, yeah, I'm really excited for you all to get to know Ava a little bit more and, and some of the things that she's up to, specifically teaching women about body confidence. Um, I think that's so important in today's world in a society where, um, we're held up to an extreme, extremely rigorous standard of how we should look, how the femme body should look and be presented. So I'm so grateful for people like her who are doing the work to teach people body confidence, no matter what type of body you have. So I hope that you fall in love with Ava just as I have um, by the end of this episode. Enjoy. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Yes, the Stripper podcast. We have a new friend with us today on the show, Ava Hennessy, all the way from the UK. Hello, queen. Hi, thank you for having me. It's really, really nice to be here. Thank you so much for being here. Um, and just before we get started, I'd like to, uh, for the audience's knowledge, ask what pronouns do you choose to go by? Uh, she, her. Okay, perfect. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, and thank you also for joining me, especially after, you know, we just got off of a meeting together, which, um, you know, I'd like to just touch on briefly later on in the podcast. But um, for you, it's like, what time is it over there? Like nine, almost 930? It is seven. 20 past seven in the evening. So it's not too late. 20 past seven in the evening. Okay, yeah, mm -hmm. it's like 11, 20 past 11 here. So I, the, I've been loving like matching up everybody's time zones lately. Um, and I do really appreciate the, the fine people over in the UK like working with us. But it has been a morning for me already. How has your day been over there? 
Uh, well, I've already done my morning, so right. <laughs> I was, I did my morning, I came home and then I was like, oh, I haven't eaten anything. So then I had food, I got ready. Um, it was nice actually to put makeup on because since lockdown, I really don't have an excuse to do that unless I'm teaching or something like that. But it's nice to have an excuse to get yeah. ready. Yeah. Have you found it's so funny that you say that because I, I wear a lot less makeup. I also shower a lot less. Um, <laughs> have you found like it's just so interesting, like putting on a full face of makeup to stay at home? Like, yeah. what is that like for you? It's weird because I actually don't wear makeup unless I'm working anyway. Um, I think because I wear so much makeup at work when I'm not working, whether it's during the day or if I have a day off, I don't like to put makeup on because I like to give my skin a break where now it's like I never wear makeup unless I have a reason to like if I'm teaching or if I have a show or something like that. Um, so it's weird and I feel like I've forgotten a lot of stuff like usually I can put a fake eyelash on in one second oh my god I know and it just flies on and it's like recently I'm having meltdowns trying to do them because it's been so long it's been like eight months and there's glue everywhere and makeup everywhere <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about yeah I, I find like putting on a full face of makeup and then my roommates will they'll see me like oh like you look nice where are you going I'm like the living room I'm going to the living room <laughs> in front of a camera, but still in the living room. Yeah, it's just and you're you're doing a lot. So you're teaching pole classes from home right now, right? Yeah, I was teaching pole classes. So the last lockdown, um, well, we went into lockdown in around. It was March or April. I honestly don't remember because the last few months have been blurry. Yeah. But I was working for a studio here um, and they moved all of their classes online. So from the second we went into lockdown, I was still teaching on Zoom. So that was weird to have to like learn how to do that technical stuff and mm -hmm. to shift from in-person classes to online because I've never done that before. Mm -hmm. um, so I did that nonstop for the last lockdown. And then I started teaching my own workshops. I did... Um, a few live events for the taboo pole show that I run and for the second lockdown I decided I would move back to Ireland because that's where I'm from and everything is so uncertain here the clubs are closed here and in Ireland but at least I have the familiarity of Ireland and the security of friends and some family members so I shipped all of my stuff back I sold my pole and then um, Ireland closed loads of airports mm. so they cancelled my flights twice mm. and then England went into lockdown so I kind of just thought I'll just wait I'm gonna wait a bit longer and just play it by ear see when things open up again so I am missing my pole a lot but I can still teach floor work I did a floor work workshop um, last week which was nice so yeah, teaching a little bit, but not as much as I was last time. Yeah, yeah. I didn't realize that you were from Ireland. I, I love mm. Ireland. It's so beautiful. It's a beautiful country. Do you speak any, um, is it Gaelic? Am I saying that right? Irish. Irish. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm from Ireland. I'm actually only living here a year. Mm -hmm. So I had just started getting on my feet and then yeah, Corona totally, happened. Totally. So, I mean, unfortunately 
I it's not even unfortunately but I've decided that maybe for now I would feel safer and more secure at home mm-hmm. um I could come back later but um and to answer your question about Irish yes I know Irish but no I don't speak it so it's okay. like we learn it in school like from the minute you start school you learn how to speak Irish but because it's not really used in everyday life it just kind of disappears a bit there are Gaeltacht areas in Ireland which would be they're not really the norm but they would have Irish as their native language and their first language um there's Irish schools where you have to learn everything through Irish but it is a language that I feel is kind of dying out now people don't really use it so much anymore yeah okay I see it a, I saw it a lot on the signs like on the traffic signs and things like that and uh it was just, it was really beautiful to see that they still held on to like the culture, you know, like the original culture. So I, I just appreciated that. Um, mm-hmm. And it's such a green country. Oh my gosh, the greenness. <laughs> it's, I've never seen anything like it. And it's funny you say that because, you know, when you grow up around something, you don't notice it. So I don't pay attention to Irish on the signs. But last year I went to perform in Wales and they have Welsh on their signs. And it was like, I just, it was kind of a moment where, oh, this is weird. This is how people feel when they go to Ireland because you can see English and Irish. And it was so bizarre to see Welsh that I was like, okay, this is what it's like when people go there. (laughs) Yeah, I get it. Yeah. Um, In Wales, my name is my last name, Davies, which they pronounce Davis is basically like Smith and everywhere when I was in Wales it was like my last name was like everywhere plastered like Davies and Davies Law and I was like that it was just weird you know yeah <laughs> it was cool because I'm, I'm part Welsh um anyway so one of the things that I'm curious about now that is not on our list is what what are Irish strip clubs like are they different or the same to the ones in the UK, in London, England? Um, I would say there are similarities, but also differences. Um, when I started stripping, I started working in a city called Galway in Ireland, and it's a very tourist kind of city. Um, it's a college city as well, mostly students, but it's um, a lot of American tourists come during the summer it's big for like we call them stag parties you would probably call them bachelor parties right so that's where most of the money comes is um tourists and um stag parties but the first club that I ever worked in it was so tiny it was like a strip pub it was literally a long bar there was no seats because they did this on purpose. They didn't want customers coming in and getting too comfortable and not spending money. They had the only way they could sit down was if they paid for a VIP room or a dance. So there was one pole in the corner and then you go, the biggest part of this club was the private dancing area. So the only seats were at the bar. You had to just sit there with everyone else and then customers would come in and everyone would jump on the same customer. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that was my first experience of ever working in a club. Um, that eventually closed and I went to Dublin. Uh, I worked in a club there, which again was very small. They do have more, um, you know, like gentleman-like clubs with 
elite clientele in Dublin mm. but I wanted the freedom to not have to be on a, a schedule I wanted to just go on the weekends because I didn't live there so I went to um, a club called Valentino's which was again really small hidden away no advertising it was free in as well so like lots of just people sitting around and drinking um what, and then you mean free entry is that what you mean by that okay mm -hmm. so they're not paying to get in gotcha okay mm -hmm. so you can imagine there's people in there that are just there to waste time <laughs> totally totally yeah yeah so I I did that for a bit and then I ended up traveling to another city called Cork um and I worked in a club there for over two years I would say um and that was where I worked until I came to the UK so there is similarities as in we don't get tipped for pole dancing. It's not a thing here. Tipping is not part of Irish or English culture. Right. Um, and I think as well, because of the money, um, a dollar for you is paper, but that would be a pound in England or a euro in Ireland. So there's something I feel very cheap about giving coins, coins. and it's just not something that's done. So in two clubs that I worked in here and in Ireland, they sell tipping dollars so they can buy um, they can buy tipping dollars. I think it was like one euro for one tipping dollar and then you got 50 cent from that. And it was just oh, something they that... take half. They take half of geez, half. Yeah. So, so I like you it... turn in the dollars. Sorry, I don't mean to, I just want to get, get clear on the procedure. You turn mm -hmm. in this fake dollar right or pound mm -hmm. and they give you half back so if you give them 20 like that is so fucked though that is so mm -hmm. fucked sorry keep going <laughs> well actually in the beginning that was the way it was and of course none of us wanted to sell them why would you waste your energy selling you know five dollars when you're not even going to get five euro for that like you would prefer right. to use your energy selling a private dance or whatever so after a while the owner actually gave us 100% of the dollars just to encourage us to do it but I still think because it's not part of our culture that we just don't think about it you just when you go to work your money is made from private dances VIP rooms so that's what you're doing and then you're called up every now and again to pole dance but you don't get naked like no clothes come off on the pole it's more of just sexy dancing um and then you might see a customer that's looking at you and you can then approach them to try and sell a private dance um actually in one of the clubs I worked in here in England it was topless dancing for free and I really didn't like that I didn't like that I had oh, to hell no yeah no it kind of reminds it. me of um QVC do you know what QVC is it's a it's a channel on tv here that like sells fancy shiny things to you know people sitting at home watching this so it's kind of like and look at this shiny ava is so beautiful and like don't you want to buy this thing like that's what it makes me think of like i personally am uncomfortable with that i think that if you're expressing your talent on stage in that moment you should be getting paid for it either by the club or by the patrons what do you how do you all feel as a consensus about dancing on stage and not really making money yeah I agree with that because when I started in the first club let's say I had never been to a strip club before 
all I had ever seen from what a strip club could be was from television, which is American, you know, most of the time. So what I thought I would be doing and what I was actually doing was completely different. And um, actually funny thing about the first um, club that I worked in, because it was a gentleman's club. You ha- And I say this because the club was far from luxurious. <laughs> it was far from gentlemanly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um we all had to wear dresses and you couldn't you couldn't have a dress short like if it didn't cover your ass you couldn't wear it so you had to wear a dress and then you had to pole dance with the dress as well um so I found that I really lost interest in pole dancing when I worked there because first of all I was drained from it I wasn't getting paid for it and I can remember one night that my feet were so sore because it was like you're standing all of the time there isn't seats there was a few bar stools but there's no seats so you're standing the whole time you're there unless you're in a VIP or whatever and then your feet are already sore and then you're called up on stage and I can just remember one night where all I did was walk around the pole like this and I did no tricks no spins it was just walking because I had to be up there but I was like I'm so tired my feet hurt like I'm not getting any money for this so what's the point yeah um so I actually lost interest in pole dancing 100% even at home as a hobby um had no interest whatsoever and I do agree that you should be paid for it because it's like that's your motivation why would you want to put on this amazing show for the customers when they're paying a door fee so they feel like they should get the entertainment because they've already paid in so they feel like okay we should see a show but then for us it's like we're not seeing any of that money so why would we want to do that like it's not my problem <laughs> right right that's so I, so I remember because I've, I've traveled to the UK more than once and I've been to a strip club in Bristol and I remember just being so irritated that nobody was tipping and that that was the culture there but I never looked at it from the perspective of what you what you just gave the customers like I came here to see a show and the people who are supposed to be providing the show aren't getting paid to provide a show like I can't so are are you are you all of the dancers like pissed about this or like is this something that you talk about with each other I find that in Ireland um the dancers won't pole dance in a lot of the clubs um that I've been in anyway because management doesn't really enforce it as as long as you're still bringing the club in money and it's the same thing like I said about the tipping dollars why would I waste my energy on the pole when I can sell a dance instead so you're almost trying to talk to more customers to make money so you don't have to go on the stage because if you're sitting around doing nothing then you're going to be like you on the stage you're next you get me so it's like I just feel like um, I've seen some amazing, gorgeous, talented dancers in the clubs in Ireland, but in I feel like in a lot of cases, they just, well, I know from myself, I don't really want to be up there. The only time I want to be on the pole is when the club is dead and it's time to practice, like if it's for right. myself. But if there's customers there, I want to be talking to them because that's where I'm making money very rarely does somebody tip you it does happen sometimes um and actually the last club that I worked in 
I started asking for money when customers would say oh I want to see you on the pole first you know if you went to ask them to go for a dance and they were like oh sell it to me or whatever (laughs) so I've had some be like oh I want to see you on the pole and I just say well I don't dance for free so you can give me minimum 20 pound and I will go up on the pole so at least then I'm making some money from it and it's not like a total waste was that working for you uh, it happened a few times and then you know who's wasting your time because if they're like I want to see you on the pole and you go up and then they're like I'm not interested then you've wasted your energy on that so I feel like it's good for me to get away from that conversation because they're either going to yeah. give me money or they're going to show me that they're not interested and they were just saying that to like get out of the the dance situation right and that right there is exactly why sex workers are some of the most intelligent people that you will ever meet you didn't have to read a book or go to a university to learn how to pick out as a salesperson who's wasting your time and who's not yeah (laughs) you know (laughs) that was amazing thank you for for sharing all of that with us wow i'm so glad that um that all came out in this conversation. Um, so I want to talk to you a little bit about, you know, we, you did mention the lockdown um, and that the clubs are closed. Uh, you know, I don't, I personally don't know much about the lockdown in the UK. I obviously know what's happening here, but I mean, how bad is it in our, in the, when we were just talking off the record earlier, one of you had mentioned in our group chat that we were in earlier um that the the flats are so small that you're you're in smaller places and that makes it a little harder can you just let us know what that's like I'm lucky that I'm living in a house um before I moved here I was in a flat and I remember during the first lockdown I kept saying to myself I'm so lucky that I'm in a house and I have a garden and I can sit in the sun because if it had been in my last flat I just had a little balcony so being isolated there I feel like would have been so difficult but for the first lockdown we had really really nice weather we had heat waves so I was in the garden with my bikini on just sunbathing and I was enjoying it like getting all of the sun um I do see that my mood has shifted a bit for this last lockdown because it gets dark here at 4 p.m and Mm -hmm. it's raining and it's cold so you can spend like for me I can spend days where I'm like oh I haven't left the house in three or four days and it's just because it's like why would I go outside because you're not supposed to anyway but um yeah I do find that it's a bit more difficult this time around because it's cold and it's dark and yeah yes we don't have that problem in California where I live it gets dark at six but it's like warm it's sunny you know we we have bigger spaces. So I can't imagine what it's like being in the city in a smaller place and then dark at four, you know, I think I forget because the way the earth is tilted, you get less sun probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's weird because unless you get up really, really early, then it feels like you kind of miss the whole day because if yeah. you get up at 12 or whatever, you only have a few hours of sunlight and I'm like if I want to go for a walk in the park I'm like I have to time it to be like I want to be there when it's 
Oh. Fried out and it's not raining. Um, but then I've found as well that I'm having a really hard time sleeping mm-hmm. because the first lockdown I went from a night shift to being at home all the time. So I was working like 10 p.m. until 6 a.m. and then getting home at 7 a.m. And then I tried to flip my um sleeping pattern so that I was getting the most out of my day. I was up early and I was trying to exercise and just do something productive. Um, So I think that affected my sleep. And then this time around, it's like I'll have three weeks of being able to get up and, you know, feel like I'm doing something productive. And then there's one week of I cannot sleep and then I can't stay asleep. Mm. So it's like it's been it's been so long, but it feels like it hasn't really been that long. Like it's hard to believe that we're in December now. I know. And next month it's 2021. Like where did the whole year go? Where did it go? Where did it Mm -hmm. go? And we're like, you know, we're just a few months away from dealing with this for a year. And there's like more time to go still. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. Um, So it's, it's interesting that um, one of the things I noticed when I was, stalking you which I do I, I stalk a lot of my guests obviously um is that you are a pole dancer and a stripper you're in the pole dance world and you're in mm-hmm. the stripper world very similarly to me um what how what do you find like kind of being in the middle and dancing on both lines like what comes up for you or and also what maybe has shifted for you if anything has shifted over the last couple of years as far as how you feel about both so I feel like um well I was interested in pole dancing before I ever went to a club um the first video I ever saw was Felix Kane uh, that competition piece I think it's 2008 I could be wrong the one from Miss Pole Dance Australia that she won the first one yes so that was in 2006 but I believe it hit the airwaves like early 2007 yeah or you might have seen it in 2008 but yeah yeah definitely because I mean I'm 28 now so when I saw that I was a teenager and I remember seeing it and not really understanding what I was looking at I'd never seen pole dancing before um where I grew up there was no strip clubs I grew up in a small town on the west coast of Ireland yeah. Um. It's just I had no I had no idea what I was looking at, but I just knew that she looked amazing, and I wanted to know more about it. And it wasn't until um I moved to Dublin. So when I was eighteen, I moved out of home, and I started working in Dublin. And I remember seeing a flyer for pole dance classes, and then thinking about the video and like making that connection. Yeah. And. I always had a lot of body image issues growing up. Mm-hmm. I was always really concerned about my weight and really embarrassed to wear certain types of clothes. I'd never wear shorts and stuff like that. So I really, really wanted to go, but I was really nervous about showing my body mm. in a room full of people that I didn't know. I thought they might judge me. It's just that anxious voice in your head. And I was still a teenager, by the way. So <laughs> yeah, you're 18. Yeah. Yeah, so I was really like self conscious. Mm-hmm. And I think it took me another year to even step foot in a pole dance studio to take a class. Mm-hmm. And I think I did a couple of weeks. I did like a, um, an intro to beginner and then maybe a, a be- the start of the beginner course. 
but I was still working. And at that time, I actually worked as a debt collector for like over the phone. Right. And I worked in a call center. So the hours that I was doing just weren't, um, they weren't, I wasn't able to take the classes. So I let it go. And then I saw on Facebook, I think, I don't think Instagram was really that big then that the woman that I learned pole dancing from was upgrading all of her poles and she was setting all of the 50 millimeter poles. Mm. So even though I wasn't good at pole dancing yet, I hadn't done it in months. I asked her if I could buy it, like buy one of the secondhand ones. So I bought that for 50 euro. I remember taking it home in a taxi and being like, oh, don't ask me any questions. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And um, that was just sitting, collecting dust for a long time because I was too scared to put it up where I was living. I was renting, obviously. I was afraid that I would like crack the ceiling or whatever. So that pole did nothing for years. And then when I moved out of Dublin because the rent was just getting higher and higher and higher, So I randomly just moved to another city again with no connections. That is just something that I've always done is just impulsively like, I'm going to go here. I'm going to go here. Yeah. So I moved to Galway and then I finally put the pole in my bedroom. I did take some classes in Galway. And then within that same year, um, I started stripping because I somehow started working for Apple like my timeline of jobs is like no experience to getting a retail job to doing door-to-door sales which got me um a telesales job because with door-to-door you don't get paid Mm. you don't get paid um a wage you only get paid commission Mm. for what you sell Mm -hmm. so I was working like six day weeks sometimes 12 hours a day if not more I mean that's from when I left the house to coming home like I might leave at 8 a.m and come back at 10 Mm p.m so I did that for almost a year felt like I was having a nervous breakdown bear in mind I'm still 19 I'm still a teenager yeah and then I got a telesales job which got me to debt collecting went back to retail somehow I got hired by Apple and it seemed like it was going to be this amazing opportunity for me it was a work from home position and I think for anyone that's in lockdown now and that have worked from home they'll completely understand how hard it is to work from home because there's no separation your home becomes your job and I was house sharing with four other women so I was in my bedroom all day long on this computer doing customer care and it got to the point where I was just depressed getting up in the morning I was crying sitting at my desk before the because you're on like a dialer where you just had to connect to calls right and I just quit yeah no backup no job nothing very little savings (laughs) um so I quit and then I went "Mm, what am I going to do now so I did the whole like looking for similar jobs again and then I met Um, someone who's a very good friend of mine now I met her and I asked her what she did for a living she's like oh I strip in this club and I was like oh cool that's like I've never met a stripper before yeah and she was like what do you do and I was like well I actually have I have no job (laughs) I need a job and she's like well why don't you come and try it on the weekend she was like basically you're self-employed so if you don't 
like it or you don't want to do it you don't have to come back you don't really have anything to lose right so I had that job lined up and then I also applied for a job in a bar called Coyotes which was um kind of inspired by the movie Coyote Ugly I was gonna ask yeah okay were you dancing up farther I was trying (laughs) (laughs) I was so bad really really bad um so I was taking dance lessons in the bar so that they could eventually put me up on the bar to do this but I was just it wasn't for me it was really bad I'm scared of heights it wasn't that high but it just wasn't for me yeah so um they gave me a different job while I was learning the choreography just working in the bar and then I worked there on the Friday and I worked in the strip club on the Saturday so on the Friday I was paid 50 euro for the whole night that included cleanup and everything Mm. and uh trying to get customers out of the bar I think I came home a lot later than I would have if I had worked in the strip club 50 euro for the yeah. night, cash in tips? hand. Uh, I didn't get any tips. Okay, but maybe that was because I was new. Mm. Um, so then I went to work on the Saturday, and I made more money. And I just was like, "Why would I? Why would I work in the bar for like a fraction of what I could get right. here? And I do less, as in, yeah, I, I dance and take my clothes off, but I don't have to clean dirty toilets or, you know." Oh my pick God. glasses or deal with drunk people and not be able to tell them to fuck off like that's right, great right. when you're a stripper you can just do what you want like you don't have to <laughs> exactly it's it's so interesting because like all of your jobs like you know for lack of better words basically sucked and they made you depressed and and then and people are like get a real job it's like um but the real job using air quotes is killing me from the inside you know the get a real job I experienced that first with door-to-door sales oh really I was called every name under the sun I had doors slammed in my face and like get a real job was something that I heard nearly every single day so when I started working in the club the way that I looked at it was at least the people coming in here want to be here they have come in of their own free will they know what's going on in here instead of the anxiety of knocking on a stranger's door and not knowing who's going to open the door, what their reaction is going to be to you. I just thought that when I looked at it in a sales kind of a role, that at least the people coming in here want to be here and you're not just knocking on random doors, hoping that the person there is interested in listening to you. So I actually found that a lot easier than working, um, knocking on doors to sell house alarms yeah wow and i'd also like to advocate for anybody listening out there to never tell anyone to get a real job because all work is real so Mm -hmm. can we just knock that off as a society (laughs) as a whole that would be great um so something gosh it's so funny our list we must get through the list, but your first like 15 minutes was just so interesting and took us on a little um, tandem. But some one of the things that I did want to kind of circle back to is your workshops around body confidence and what you had mentioned um, that, you know, initially starting out, you were sort of concerned with, you know, your 
presenting your body to other people. So can you talk a little bit on what body confidence means to you, what inspired your workshops and how you found a ways to overcome those, um, the negative self-talk? Yeah, so I actually have always, and even now, even though I am, I think it's something that you always need to learn and um, correct yourself with when you start doing it, when you start talking negatively about yourself. But from a kid, I always had body issues. It's just something that I've always dealt with. And when I started pole dancing, I'm not going to say that those went away but I got more used to looking at myself, like my own reflection of what my body looks like, because I was one of those people that wanted to cover up all the time and didn't want to see what I looked like in the mirror. Mm. So when I started pole dancing, I just got more comfortable with um, seeing my body. And then I would say, um, I don't, I'm, I don't know what it is in a US size, but the smallest I've ever been would be like a size six, which I think is a size smaller in the US, maybe a size five. Um, personally, my body should never be that small. I'm a curvy woman. I always will be, but I wasn't. I was overtraining and I wasn't eating enough. And I didn't realize that until last year when I was like reflecting. So mm -hmm. even when I was really muscular and slim, I didn't really know what I looked like and even though my clothes were a smaller size I still didn't really relate that to what I looked like mm. and then I'm going to say in 2017 the end of 2017 and 2018 I got severely depressed I've always dealt with anxiety and depression but I just had a year where it got really really bad <clears throat> and I was put on medication that I should never have been on. It didn't agree with me. And I had really, really bad side effects. And when I went to the doctor to tell her these things, she would just up my dosage. So she kept giving me more of the same medication and it really affected with my physical and internal body as in I gained a lot of weight. Mm -hmm. um, I was sweating a lot. Like I would get like night sweats. Um, I couldn't even really pole dance anymore because my hands would be so slippy all the time. Mm -hmm. I didn't sleep anymore. Um, I completely lost my sex drive for two years as in dead, never thought that I would ever get that back again. Mm -hmm. And when I gained weight, I still performed and I still worked. And I had never had a man comment on my weight or what my body looked like in the way that happened when I was working in the club. And I do think that what's seen as beautiful in some countries is different to others. I do find that in Ireland, being slim is seen as beautiful. So when I gained weight, I received some negative comments, but I just had to make money. I had to go to work. So I still did and just kept pushing it away even though I felt really, really bad about it. And when I started doing performances um, and getting pictures taken and stuff like that, and I'd put them on Instagram, I started getting messages from other people saying, oh my God, I absolutely love your confidence. Um, do you have any advice for somebody like me? I'm a size whatever, and I'm finding it hard to 
put myself out there or I'm too nervous to start a pole class or whatever it was mm-hmm. and the first thing I thought was I don't think I I am confident all of the time I don't think anybody is mm-hmm. um and I started to sit there and think how can I teach this confidence that I have when I perform or go to work to other people and I think it just made me realize that confidence no matter what size you wear is always going to be internal it doesn't matter what you look like on the outside you can be perfect in the eyes of society but without any confidence or love for yourself on the inside that's never going to come out like it's not going to come out in dance or your everyday life whatever it is So when I started the workshops, it was mainly focused about helping other people to just tap into that realization that you need to stop focusing on what your physical body looks like, because it doesn't matter if you are, you know, for me, let's say if I want to lose weight, if I feel like I'm going to be more beautiful because I lose weight. If I don't love myself first, that's never I'm never going to be happy. I'm never going to be the right size. My whatever is never going to be (laughs) perfect so that was where the class came around and it almost happened by accident Mm -hmm. and I was really annoyed that I had gone through a rough patch um, with depression and the other side effects and the weight gain Um, but I feel like I learned so much from it and it's kind of it it's a positive to think that I have helped other people Mm -hmm. feel better about themselves even though I never intended that to happen mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's really beautiful and, and thank you for that work because um I hear similar things as um a slimmer person throughout my career like oh I I don't look like you like I'm not strong I like you I can't you know I I can't hold myself up and you know I had to say uh similar things um but I also don't have the experience of um not being connected to my like I have experience of loving my body from a very young age and so I I don't have the credibility to speak on what that's like for others and so I think it's really important and wonderful that there are people like you that um like care to to give back the knowledge and the things that you have learned in order to feel good about yourself and even i'd also like to add even as a slimmer person i still do have insecurities (laughs) and body issues that i have to work on as well especially now with my body changing um as much as it has so um Mm -hmm. i really appreciate the work that you do thank you I do think as well, um, one of the things I wouldn't even say that the weight gain was the biggest issue for me. I think the disconnect from my sexuality was the biggest Mm. um, block because I never realized how much sexual energy I used in my dance until it wasn't there anymore. Mm. I'm getting a bit emotional. but Mm. That's all right. I almost Um, cried a minute ago, too. (laughs) I just fought the tears back. (laughs) We're just like setting each other off. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I've cried on this podcast like three times. Yeah. (laughs) But I think the one thing that helps me to dance is one, connecting to music, but two, being able to express myself um, sexually. And with that medication, I've never experienced anything like that before 
where it was like I just had no when I say I had zero sex drive it was like I didn't even think about it I didn't think about sex I didn't have sex I still haven't really for years because it's only come back over a year after I came off of the medication and wow I remember looking it up being like I can't be the only one that's going through this because when I would go and see my doctor and she would say oh we'll just up your dosage and just up your dosage and then I went to see a psychiatrist and he wanted to double what I was on so I was on 250 milligrams I felt like he didn't listen to a word I said and then just said we'll give you 500 and I was like no I'm not doing this anymore like I didn't say it then but I went home and I researched online and I found forms of people that have been on this exact same medication and I'm always really careful about talking about medication because I'm not anti-meds I think that medication is needed in certain circumstances and it's really important to find one that suits you unfortunately I was on one that just didn't suit me yeah and when I started seeing other people talk about all of the side effects they had one um one person said it felt like they had been chemically castrated that even after years of coming off of the medication they never ever got the desire for sex back and that freaked me out so I was like I'm not taking this anymore but because the side effects were so severe it took me a, a couple of weeks maybe almost a month to feel normal I felt really sick and dizzy and all of the side effects that you get with taking yourself off of any drug. Yeah. Um, and it's been a journey coming back to myself again. Um, I also felt very numb that I couldn't really feel music anymore, which is something that is really important to me. And I would like look at the pole in my house and be like, okay, just do something on it. Like just, just do something, put on a song. But it was like, there was just no connect it was just dead and slowly since I've come off it it's been really fun to like feel something come back that I never thought would yeah I'm glad it did your account like your Instagram account looks like you know like there she is dancing and doing all the things, you know, and it's so funny that like what you see isn't necessarily what's going on. Um, I really appreciate you sharing that journey. I think that's really important for people to hear. So thank you for being vulnerable and sharing that. Yeah. Thank you for, I didn't think I would talk about this, but I feel like it, it just happened. So it's right. And yeah. um <laughs> I think it's important for everyone to know that social media is totally fake. Yeah. What you just said, you saw my Instagram, you thought, oh, she likes to dance. She, you wouldn't have known that story. And I can remember how toxic it was for me on the days when I found it hard to get out of bed and I was on Instagram watching people dance and having that jealousy of, Mm. am I ever going to want to dance again? I've lost all of my tricks. I don't have any strength anymore. But like now I'm in a totally different place where I want to dance again and I am and it's coming back. So it's great. It's just, we had a rough patch, (laughs) but we're we're getting over it. I'm so glad to hear it. And I just want to talk about one last thing before we like move on to other segments that like you just said, you know, you brought up social media and I had mentioned that we were in this meeting earlier and obviously we're not going to talk about the details of that meeting yet, but the way that I decided to ask you to be on this podcast is because 
we were in another meeting <laughs> a couple of weeks ago um, talking uh, with a student uh, because she's doing research on sex work. And then just this morning, we were in another sex worker Instagram activism meeting. And it was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It felt and I did think about that. So the lockdown obviously has been so hard. This has been one of the hardest years for everyone. But in some ways, I've really gained a lot of connections that I don't think I would have had if it wasn't for the lockdown happening in the first place. Like even with the online show, I was able to reach out to people from different countries and, you know, people that I admired that I would never really be able to ask if I was just running live events. And Yeah, exactly. And even the way we were put in a meeting together to help somebody with their thesis that then connected us to now do this podcast. And I think there's something really great about that, that just doing one thing can connect you with so many other people. Yeah. So yeah um and yeah today's meeting just for anyone who's listening is um you know more info coming about that soon but yeah there's definitely something brewing and um it was it just felt really it felt really good it felt like it went really well so Mm -hmm. i was so pleased to see and i took note in that meeting there were dancers from the uk canada and two different parts of the u.s on that call today and it was just so heartwarming to have us all be together and like just fighting together i just love sex workers so much in case anyone didn't know (laughs) (laughs) um and i'm just so heartwarmed right now to be spending this hour with you honestly yeah i'm so happy to like have the opportunity to do this as well and just like I was saying earlier, it's just, it's a nice, um, you know, they say there's two side two sides to every coin. Like, it's nice to see the flip side where, yeah, this really sucks and it's really hard. But thank God we have the internet. What yeah. would we do if we were in, like, even the 90s, I feel like you would have your landline telephone and your dial-up internet connection where you <laughs> just wouldn't be able to do yeah. the stuff that we can. Yeah. You wouldn't be able to video call or, like, direct message. Like, we are very lucky in different ways. Yeah, totally. Thank you for pointing that out. Absolutely. Want to be fabulous just like these strippers? Pay attention. It's stripper tips. So um, my stripper tip is kind of aimed at anybody who's just starting out. And that would be to approach every single person in the room. And I know that different clubs, it's different setups. I know in America and in the States and different clubs, it might be more focused on pole dancing but I also get the impression that when you make money on stage there's comfort there that maybe you want to stay on stage and make money that way without talking and having to sell lap dances I feel like I would be like that if I had that opportunity and I would just say to make an effort to speak to everyone in the room even if you feel like they're giving you a weird vibe because sometimes people are just nervous and they're you know you being in the strip club is so normal for the outside person they're entering like a club full of gorgeous women who were like doing beautiful dances and so confident so what you see on the outside might be completely different to actually sitting down and talking to them 
but in saying that I wouldn't waste too much time on them either if you're not really getting anywhere within like three songs I would say I would move on (laughs) yeah yeah I also loved what you said earlier about um you know finding ways to not waste your time so Mm -hmm. that was such a good um indirect tip so I loved that one well for me I always ask for a drink because I feel like if they're not going to buy you a drink they're probably not going to buy a dance from you either um and in some clubs we actually get commission on drinks which is great like the last club that I worked in in Ireland we got paid five euro for every drink we had oh wow you could still make extra money for customers buying you drinks um so I might not ask straight away but then after a while I'd be like oh I'd really like a drink do you want to get me one and if they're like oh I don't know when they're counting their pennies then I'm gonna be like okay bye (laughs) (laughs) yeah get ready for our rapid fire question round it's time for four for one question number one have you ever driven a car topless no damn all right I don't even have a full driver's license, so that was probably (laughs) not for me. Okay. (laughs) What's considered a luxury item or experience that just does not appeal to you? Um, Designer clothes. I do like clothes that are, you know, able to last for a few years. I do find quality in like coats and jeans and stuff that I can keep for a long time. But I have no interest in like brand names just for the sake of having it I will buy a knockoff and proudly walk around with it before I'll spend thousands on something that just sits in my wardrobe <laughs> love that love it yes is there a fictional character on tv or film or books that you totally identify with um I don't think so because it's taking me some time to um, no Okay, <laughs> no worries. <laughs> if you were in a big heist type movie like Ocean's Eleven, what would your role on the team be? Um, it would be distraction. I think I would be the... distraction. Distraction. Okay. <laughs> distraction. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I would go out and be distracting in some sexy way. Okay, <laughs> I love it. Last one. If you knew you had 24 hours to be invisible, what would you do? Where would you go? Um, I've actually thought about this before. This is like just one of those random thoughts that would pop into your head. If I could be invisible, um, I would definitely want to like use it to my advantage to steal something. It's not very ethical, but like, you know, <laughs> steal money or steal clothes. But like as well, I would like to be a fly on the wall in situations where you know, and you think like, oh, I wonder what they, you know, think about something or I don't know, just hear people or be in a situation that you would normally be in, but be invisible and just see what's being said. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So you definitely think about this. That's like, one. oh, yeah. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I want you to tell everyone how we can learn more about you, find out about you and then um, plug your poll show as well. Um, so the only social media that I use at the moment is Instagram. Um, that's Ava, A-V-A underscore Henny, H-E-N-N-Y. And I also have um, a pole dancing event, which I moved online during the lockdown. <clears throat> that's Taboo Pole Show. And that's T-A-B-O-O Pole Show. 
uh, on Instagram as well but I don't really I've deleted Facebook um besides that I have a YouTube channel that I only use for watching and an email address (laughs) gotcha so we'll find you on Instagram yeah for now as long as Instagram will have us yeah yeah exactly when I said I'm only on Instagram I kind of went "Mm." clock is ticking for all sex workers on Instagram by the way so yeah I'm about to do a Twitter push soon but we need to fix this mess man Mm -hmm. fix this mess yeah well once again thank you so much for being on this show with us And thank you to everyone for listening and tuning in every week. And um, follow Ava. Thank you for joining me. Thank you. Hey, guys, I just want to remind you to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. You can find us on Instagram at Yes, a stripper podcast. You can also watch this podcast on YouTube at Yes, a stripper podcast. And of course, make sure you follow us on Twitter at Yes, a Stripper Pod. Yes, a Stripper Podcast is produced by Mackenzie Mazel, Shelly Snyder, and yours truly, A.M. Davies. Be sure to email any questions or comments to yesastripperpodcast at gmail.com. If you'd like to follow me personally, you can find me on Instagram at thequeenofsexy. You can also check me out on my website, thequeenofsexy.com.